Hello everyone, welcome to the Breaking Uneven podcast. We love to talk shop, uncover the beauty of failures and play a few games. Today we have with us the founder of Canonic, Aditi Jain. After graduating from MIT Design Pune, Aditi interned and freelanced as a graphic designer at numerous places before slowly transitioning into a product designer at Paytm and Haptic. Have we missed anything noteworthy from your journey so far, Aditi? No, I think so far it covers it. Okay, awesome. So then let's let's start off with our first first segment. Okay, so we will start with the Twitter pitch challenge. So Twitter is known for its 280 character limit on every tweet, which sometimes makes it a little difficult to convey your thoughts. It takes about 20 seconds to speak to 80 yeah. characters. So we want to transfer this challenge to you. Uh, we want you to explain to us Canonic in 20 seconds, but we won't make it easy. We want you to also use an emoji and one hashtag. Um, do you have any questions? No, I think that sounds fun. Let's try it. Perfect. I can start the 20-second timer now. Awesome. Uh, Canonic is a hashtag low-code platform for uh, basically doing internal tool development, emoji laptop, and it's basically for agile teams so that they can move fast and uh, grow their products more seamlessly and keep it in-house. Did I do that in 20 seconds? Yes, just under 20 seconds. That's great. I'm so happy I got that right. <laughs> but anyway, so so let's start off a little simple. How did you come up with the name, right? What, what does Canonic mean? Right. Uh, so Canonic basically means building blocks. And that's how we imagine product development to be like, wherein code is always reused in every form. And we just wanted to make more reusable and in a more visual format. So people can just place it together and build their internal tools. Yeah, that's very interesting in the way of like building a certain uh, like how your name also relates to like the way you do it and like it's all very like cohesive so that's interesting but also just how your like journey started um, I saw on your website that your ideation stage was around May 2020 and then your launch was towards the end of um, 2020 around October so how was it starting something and just navigating the pandemic while starting a new company right um, so obviously, like um, amongst the four of us, we're four co-founders. Uh, one of the co-founders has actually, the main founder rather, Pratham Akhwar, he has previously run his own business. So there was some trust factor around that and he just took the leap into it. And also when the pandemic hit, we were already previously, you know, doing a remote work strategy. So when we started working, it was more comfortable and seamless. But on the contrary, I think everyone's families were going through some or the other troubles with COVID. And that was basically the emotional toll that was taking overall. But apart from that, I think working was interesting and fun. And we got a very good focused time to actually, you know, work on the product and just focus completely on that. You mentioned four co-founders. Was that hard? to have so many people having like different opinions and like working with like that many people and decision makers. 
all of four of us have previously worked together at Haptics. We were very good friends. And I think that sort of already brought in a sense of responsibility and trust where we trusted each other's decisions a lot more easily. And uh, from the very beginning, we at the initial stage of the product, it was only about product development, which we were previously doing itself. It's later on when we started actually splitting the responsibilities and dividing the roles. And now over the period of this one and a half, two years, we have actually built to that trust on that person for handling that particular co-responsibility. So I think it's been a blessing uh, to have so many co-founders and, you know, uh, divided roles and responsibilities. I think there's a, you know, to a certain extent, having co-founders where the roles are divided and y'all work remotely is actually a benefit because I've seen, you know, um, in one of in in the case of one of the businesses that I work in, we're three three of us co-founders, but we sit out of the same office. So yeah. obviously, you know, daily things like, for example, I'm meant to be handling marketing. One's meant to be handling finance, but we keep yeah. talking about each other. But that also means inputs and decision making um, power from each other, which then yeah. kind of leads to a mess. Whereas when yeah, you work for dialogues, sure. You've got your responsibility area and you can just go off and sort of Yeah, definitely. I think it's just that's something that we all had a we have picked it up from our previous haptic culture where you're given so much ownership about what you're doing that you have to in turn feel responsible to, you know, succeed in that and take to cater to that particular thing. And that's what we have sort of brought in Canonic as well from the very beginning. A lot of our cultural aspects are quite inspired from Haptic. It was a brilliant experience for us. Nice. So you you went from beta launch, uh, sorry, from idea to beta launch in just six months, right? October to May. Yeah. So what, what was the idea that y'all had in May? And what did y'all go to market with in October? Right. Um, so when we actually started out, this was in uh, passive development in December. And we did we all quit the jobs and started working full-time on this May onwards. So when we started out at that time, we categorized Canonic as a headless CMS. What that means is that you can just go and create your database structure for your product and you can you get an automated generated content management system where you can just manage all of your data. So that was the only offering that Canonic was doing at that point as well as uh, providing auto-generated API. So that was our differentiating factor from the other headless CMSs. That's where we started at. And uh, definitely in October, we had a you know eye-opening where people were excited about the product. We got great feedback. And that's when we started talking to more people in the industry and they recommended that, hey, you guys fit better in low-code, no-code versus a headless CMS. Oh, nice. So you're... you're... First initial set of users or let's say feedback actually led to you finding your niche, which is, you know, it is the thing that when you go to market, you pivot and then end up finding a niche. But in this case, you found the niche in your, let's say, first stage of pivoting. Then you raised pre-seed after that, right? So the pre-seed was raised with the idea of um, low-code development, not... Headless, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. That was actually one of the crucial discussions and feedback that we had got from the investors as well. Whoever we would speak with, even they would agree with the fact that we'd fit better into a low code uh, sort of a segment. So yeah, I think that was when we actually decided, and that was the basis of which on which we raised our pre-seed round. Um, you you mentioned that all four of four of you all worked at Haptic together, and then like the idea did you see sparked in like December of 2019, and then you all quit in like May of 2020. Um, like what made you uh, right. like all like collectively? How did you all decide that this is the moment that we're ready for? the new adventure, the new company, and we're okay to like let go of our current jobs and start something like this. Was there like a moment or was there yeah. a particular stage in your company that you wanted to reach before quitting or just like what was your thought process um, for deciding to quit your job? So to be honest, I think um, we did sort of at some point of time in our life have had similar experience when wherein when you're building products, they're very similar, right? But people have to write repeated code about it again and again. And that's sort of an experience we've all had because we've worked with agencies or with clients or in product companies. And we had actually strongly believed in this. Like when we started working out on it, when we had a basic MVP ready, we used it and we realized that, yeah, there is some some good thing happening here. And then I think it was sort of like a chain reaction where first Pratham left, then Simran left, then I left, and then Karthik left. We were like, we have to come together for this. And it, was just, it just happened in that sort of a flow. That's that's really cool. Like to like work with these people in a different company and then start something of your own and like that chain reaction. Was your was your employer okay with it? Like seeing what all of your yeah. like drop one by? <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm allowed to answer that <laughs> question. No worries. But, but yeah, I mean they did get they they did get worried about it. Like what is happening? But yeah, I think uh, they took it well because uh, one of the greatest qualities at Haptic, what they would tell us is that we, if you are leaving the company, either leave for starting something of your own or you have a really valid, you know, some personal reason. Otherwise, they didn't, they never expected people to move out because they were that happy about the culture and so were the employees. So when they when we told them that, yeah, we're planning to move out to start something of our own, they were actually quite encouraging about it. Oh, that's super nice. Yeah, I think a lot of companies today, especially with the amount of attrition, are happy for employees to like go out and do something on their own because you're still representing the brand of the yeah. company. That, you know, today you're the founder yeah. of Canonic, but your LinkedIn still says Haptic. So people know that okay, right. this person's come from Haptic. And for sure, for sure, people to start out on their own, but <clears throat> yeah, that's <clears throat> it's 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 nice that they recognize that there's not not every company recognizes that easily. Definitely. So, how did you go about the fundraising process? Right, who did you all approach? How did the conversation start? So, um, I'll be very honest. We haven't reached out to a single investor. Like the moment we were out on product hunt for the next, I think one month, we must have been on an investor call every day. Like it was crazy. And then I think within that one to one and a half month duration, we 
actually really liked the investor we wanted to go ahead with and it was already sealed the reason that the round closed by march was because our company wasn't registered by them we had made a product our business wasn't registered in us or in india so uh, that is what took the time to actually get the investment into our accounts otherwise it was a done decision within that one month of our discussions itself that we were very clear who we wanted to go with oh wow that's not super cool and does you <clears throat> are you generally for example now by the time you all raised the pre seed you all had this idea of a low code platform but mm-hmm. let's say with you know your next set of users you have you found another pivot or another niche that's even more right. supportive they're trying to create would your yeah. investor be open to that like how 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 much flexibility do you still have after raising funding uh to be honest i think that was one of the best characteristics about our investors they always just told us that hey where are you stuck and you tell us and we'll try and help you out with whatever is best knowledge that they have they never would force upon their decision that hey i think you need to take this step but they'd let us sort of you know they'll uh, connect us to the relevant people who could help us get certain answers or you know just guide us in a way where wherever we want to take the company it goes in that direction and yeah like when when we see about further narrowing it down like i said we started out as a headless cms then we moved to a low code backend and the reason that we further narrowed it down or slightly pivoted it was that low code backend is again vast you can do backend of apps you can do backends of websites you can do you know internal tools dashboards so many things the reason to sort of further narrow it down and then solve for whatever is required to match that use case is why we sort of moved further into that direction and that was internal tools so earlier you were low code for backend and now we are low code for, for internal tools completely which includes backend and frontend that it's nice to see like how supportive your investors are and like the relationship you have with them because i think that's so key when you're building something um especially because i feel like sometimes they can have an opinion yeah. that might not match like with yours and then decision making just becomes hard as it's nice how like everything seems so seamless and works so well together i think we've just gotten lucky <laughs> uh in the initial phase the thing is investors also try to invest in the founders you know more than the company sure. itself because you know what's going to drive it whatever the product is is the founders itself Definitely. so like, if, if this team is good enough the product will be great no matter what it ends up being right. and i mean you take any big company that amazon meta all of them from what they started to what they're right now has nothing to do with the initial product For sure. right it's a whole different suite of things but so one thing that stands out yeah in- i i was so just I uh, pointing out that like this product market fit uh, in today's world is founder market fit and most of the investors sort of look for that that has this founder had that kind yeah. of an experience where they can actually solve for this problem and that's what most of the people look for and i think our past experience was likely relevant there for us oh, i think that's a very very cool insight not one that i've you know i've spoken to vcs spoken to many founders that have raised and that's not something i've ever heard it's very interesting insight 
but you know speaking about the product one thing that stood out to me was the pricing model um only from the perspective that there was the usual free individual team etc but then <clears throat> there's also the ad hoc add-ons right. right um and that's not something that's super common because um people generally want the uh, customer to adhere to one of the buckets um but yeah just just the question on how come Yeah, right. so um, so one of the strategies that we had in our company is bottom up, wherein we want a mass of people to come in and build product, versus us going and getting one or two clients and then building the product according to them. Our approach was more to get the masses, and for doing that, I think there is a bigger requirement to have as much flexibility in your pricing strategy because you'll have. individual developers you'll have team based developers you'll have freelancers you'll have agencies and all of them might not need the similar capacity but would want to choose the plan and still add on something to it so that is where we sort of you know thought that it'd be great to have this and let's see how things work out and then we can further improvise the strategies interesting yeah the uh, another question i guess i had was um your business is very like b2b and you're looking at like other people looking for like products um for like back end structures and things like that but in this like day and age i feel like social media for example has like completely changed the way um companies do like b2c marketing and things like that is there any way that y'all have taken advantage of social media or does um your structure still need like the traditional way of working right i think um so our uh, actually the right marketing strategy that we felt for the right the kind of target audience that we were looking for is content strategy we did have that phase of us where we tried you know social media ads we tried uh, content marketing and like so seo and so all of these strategies and what has worked the best for us is actually seo and that sort of comes down to content that's the main thing that we are focusing on the thing that helps us further is like us posting content on not only our own blog but also on stuff like medium or you can say dev2 or stack overflow which are more developer focused platforms where people are all if you know about developers developers are always searching for solutions on the internet and uh, that was like the idea where we felt like we can actually get hold of them in the right manner and get them to you know learn more about the product so so yeah like our strategy was more towards that social media definitely is a place to you know It, you have to be on social media like there's no escaping everyone will go and check your social media after a point and be like okay how many people are there and what are the posts so i think it's a channel that has to be maintained but our core focus would still be content marketing yeah yeah i think that's it's it is um it's not easy to find the right channel um especially with yeah. the number of channels that there's available today and the mm-hmm. unlimited amount of money that you can spend on each channel um yeah it's it's quite tough and especially you know it's also tough to compete with the fact that for example you might let's say if you're a startup have a certain amount of budget but then there's a long standing industry player that has 30 40 50 times your budget so their visibility is 
that much more and yeah. so yeah this the more strategic more brand building channels are generally what you have to rely on then yeah but i think with that thought we should we should move on to our next um next challenge so this is called the dream team right so the 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 point of this challenge is we're going to show you eight industry leaders mm-hmm. and three positions to be filled at canonic um okay you have to choose three people out of these eight and choose the positions that the top three positions that are most important to you for them to fill right Perfect. so let's let's try it. yeah let's try it so if you want you can tell me the positions first that you like mm-hmm. So do you, um, do you want... I think I might go with a COO and a person who is really good with operations. And uh, for that I might go with um So we've got Mark Benny of Salesforce, Cheryl Sandberg from Facebook, Stuart Porterfield from Slack, Lee Hastings from Netflix, Hoteng Ma from Tencent, Indra Nivi from PepsiCo, Mary Bara from GM. and melanie perkins from canva so like what we've started this this list has been curated you know using new age technology right. companies and then like all the way early old age got nothing to do with tech right. companies i think i'm going to so, go with stuart butterfield and like maybe pick him up for the uh, ceo role yeah okay awesome what's your next uh, next one i'm going to go with let So uh, can I pick a different role as well? Like, does it have to be the? Oh, anything. It can be whatever you want it. it to be. I would pick maybe um, Indra Nui for you know doing inventory management <laughs> or like maintaining all of the food and HR resources or uh, at the company. <laughs> we get a great supply there and uh, then let's say i'm going to pick uh i think i'm going to read hastings and uh, the role that i would like to give him would be like chief entertainment officer <laughs> so i think i picked one serious one and the other two more for the fun <laughs> aspects of it No, oh, that's super interesting to see. Um, but you know, since you mentioned that you know Stuart Butterfield is is your CEO, mm-hmm. any particular reason why? So I just feel like Slack is an amazing product. We we're using it for like ages now. I mean, I think as far as I can remember, I've been working and I've been using Slack, and I think it just has a very fun aspect to itself. You know, like. I just love the brand. Um so yeah, I think I would go with uh Stewart Butterfield. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Um Yeah, that's that's it for the dream team and with that we can go on to our final segment which is the rapid fire. Um so oh we'll ask God. you questions <laughs> and you just have to give us fast and rapid answers. First one. Um, how many all-nighters did you pull in your first year of Canonic? 
can I say like a combined teams all night or state? I think that mm-hmm. must have been in the first year. A combined must be equal into at least two to three months. Like it was crazy the wow. number. Wow. <laughs> like I think even now we're at a stage where there are at least four all nighters in a week, maybe. That's a lot. Wow. Yeah. So definitely. <laughs> oh, I'll go to the next question because, like, this is something we can discuss in a bit. But, uh, did you yeah. ever question whether it was worth it? Not at all. Never. I mean, I think it's been an amazing learning experience. Uh, not just working on Kanani, but being so differently working with you know my co-founders as well. I mean, we've seen so many skills being picked up uh, from everyone. So it's been amazing. That's great. Uh, one word to describe your emotion when you first raised money. I think I was just like perplexed. <laughs> I was like, I couldn't believe it. Or like, I, I was just... It was a very uh, special moment, in fact, for us because there was just too many things happening in that moment. Like, we couldn't believe it, um, but we were very excited at the same time. The emotion when you first fired someone? I don't think we fired anyone yet. Maybe in my previous workplace, <laughs> I must have helped. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think so. Uh, in Canonic, I've had that experience. It, in fact, everyone leaving has, you know, if anyone has left, they have joined uh, back with us and worked as a consultant, maybe. But uh, nobody has left or parted ways as of yet. That's good. That's good. Uh, we are this place you've worked from. Yeah, um, weirdest place, okay. I think maybe in the basement, like in our house's basement. And I wouldn't call it weird, but we did take like a vocation where, you know, we went to a place, all four founders went to a place and we were working from there. So I wouldn't call that a weird one. It was a brilliant one. But yeah, basement is one of the other ones. <laughs> Um, would you ever retire? No, <laughs> that'd be that'd be like boring. I think, <laughs> uh, and at least not at the moment. I believe that I wouldn't want to. But yeah, like everyone evolves and changes. I don't know yeah. what the future holds. Maybe if I get super rich, I'll for sure retire. <laughs> <laughs> um, which hobby of yours did your work kill? I think socializing, like, it did went down, like, and plus COVID added, like, another add-on on top of that. So majorly, it would be socializing, but other hobbies are, I think, fine. Not that bad. That's good. Uh, books or podcasts? I think I'd go with podcasts. Like, I, I do like listening to audiobooks these days, like, plus you don't have as much time to read through uh, the novels as well. So I would anyway pick an audio medium. Okay. Uh, iPad or notebook? 
I use notes on my Mac. <laughs> yes. So, but no, no notebook for sure for me. I, I don't think I don't remember when was the last time I used it. Apart from whiteboard, yeah, but notebook I think is far, far away as of now. Um, your favorite social media platform? Twitter. Twitter. Okay. Um, that concludes the rapid fire segment. Uh, and. Brings us to the end of our conversation. Thanks, thank you so much for joining us. A really, really good conversation. Um, and and found something. You know, the thing that stood out to me from the entire call was the founder market fit. I think that was an awesome insight. Thank you so much for that. Mm-hmm. We hope you enjoyed the games um, and that they didn't trouble you too much. <laughs> <laughs> They were fun. I think I think this is a really interesting podcast format, and uh, kudos to you guys for you know coming up with this. And thank you so much for having me over here.